to Recalculating. This is Alana Krauss, and I'm joined by my father, Lee Krauss. We are a father-daughter duo who have been studying critical thinking and decision-making patterns through surveys, personal experience, and interviews with some amazing people to create a how-to guide to help you make better decisions by harnessing your critical thinking skills. All of these learnings have been documented in our book, and this podcast reviews those concepts chapter by chapter. Each chapter is covered in a different podcast, so it's okay to listen out of order, but it is recommended to start from the beginning and go from there. If you are interested in your story being featured on future podcasts, please reach out by visiting our website, www.recalculating.me. We hope you enjoy today's episode about adjusting your speed. All right, Alana, let's get started. So what is adjusting your speed? Well, for me, it's really when the rubber meets the road here. You know, you can, you know, build all your scaffolding and plan out everything. But as soon as you start hitting the road, that's when decisions really need to be made. You need to know when to pivot, when you're you're going in the right direction and just have to keep forging down that path and when to change paths. And mm-hmm. I think adjusting your speed just really you kind of get your mojo of how how are things working and how do I make decisions and how quickly can I make decisions? I think that's really, to me, what adjusting your speed is all about. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, it's, you know, like you had said, knowing when to go full force towards your goals, when you need to slow down, to pivot, change your direction, and really understand when opportunity is knocking at your door and at what points in time should you open that door versus move on? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I think that really gets into that smart risk taking, reducing the time it takes to make decisions. And so part of adjusting your speed is realizing all the information that you have so that you're able to mitigate risk as you adjust your speed. So you don't want to just go down the highway at 100 miles an hour. You want to ensure that you know where speed traps are, you know that you're driving at a safe speed, you know that everything is going well, you know you have gas in your car, you know that you don't need to take a rest stop. That's really all about that adjusting your speed. But in real life, it's whether you're in your job and you wanna know, should you start to look for other jobs? Should you start to look for other places in your company where you can explore to meet your goals? If you don't have goals, it's hard to determine whether you're going at the right pace or not. So once you have goals, then you have something to judge them against to determine is the speed the level that I want it to be at. Mm-hmm. And, and again, throughout your life, it's going to change and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that it'll change throughout your life. What are some examples in your life where how you were thinking about decisions and risks changed over time? That's really, really good question. So for me, I think I started out being fairly risk adverse. And so I went to work for a large company and, you know, followed a path there. And then and in that company, I went off and did challenging things. I was very into my career. I wanted to make money and make a name for myself. But later in life, I switched, you know, in my 30s, late 30s to really taking much more risk, starting my own business, thinking about pivoting in different directions, having come across the issue with my hearing and developing a company around that idea. All of a sudden, I really hit my strides 
in taking that, opening them, that door knock to said, I have a problem with my own hearing and how can I solve it? I was willing to go full force into that, start a company, come up with ideas, get people together to make it all happen. And I think that those are the types of things to understand all along my career, I was building a skill set. I was putting information in my backpack. I was building a journal. But when opportunity knocked, I was ready to jump on it and jump full force in. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what adjusting your speed is all about. Mm -hmm. So I know we're talking a lot about this smart risk taking. And, you know, based off of our interviews and research, we have broken down, you know, top three ways to help with smart risk taking. So we could just jump right in, go through them and give some examples so that people can find relevance to their life. So mm -hmm. we'll start with number one, which is making sure you have the skills and experiences to succeed or ways to mitigate your shortfalls. Yeah, I think this is really key. And a couple of really good examples. If you're gonna go start a company and you're really, really good at the tech side of it, right? Well, tech is only one component of it, of it. You need somebody that's going to be able to raise money. You're going to need somebody that's going to get sales in. And very rarely is that all the same person. So to mitigate your risk, if you're really good at tech, then you want to try to get somebody that's really good at bringing in money or developing a product or monetizing a product so that you get to have a balanced team. So I can give a really good example in the hearing side of it. I really excelled in the tech part of it, but we had a speech scientist and we had an audiologist that really rounded out our views of how we're going to bring this product to market and how we're going to ultimately monetize it. And so there, here was a case where assembling the team was a way to mitigate the risk. And in doing that, it was able to allow us to raise money. It allowed us to talk with major manufacturers and ultimately allowed us to sell the product off. Mm -hmm. I think those are the types of things when you look at something and mitigate the risk, what are you good at and where do you need help? I think that really comes to understanding what's in your backpack, what skills are you good at and be honest about it. You know what I mean? You're not gonna be good at everything and you're gonna have to find ways to mitigate the areas that, that you have risk. And in doing that, you're going to be able to make better decisions and you're going to mitigate a big risk. Yeah. And I mean, for this one, I even see application of this concept, like, right, we're talking a lot about examples in the workforce, but even in college, like making sure that your study group is balanced. <laughs> you know, if you're taking a class that's really hard, but you're good at this, you know, one type of problem to diversify your group to make sure all your bases are covered. Just ways to think about it to make sure you're rounding yourself out and whether that be all on you or relying on other people or, you know, learning those skills, big picture. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, really good point. Really good point. So the next one is to mitigate all the scariness associated with risk is having a backup plan. I think that's a really good point. So when I see people taking risk, you, you wonder, you know, why are they willing to jump off the cliff and start a new company or switch jobs or move their family to a new location? And you have to say, you know, what's really going through their mind? And one hopes that they've thought this through so that they understand if it doesn't work out, they're going to land on their feet. And mm -hmm. you, you'll see a lot of people that go off and take risk 
And I thought they were extreme risk in listening to the interview. And when they described the thought process that they went through in, in making that decision, you realized what seemed to be very risky was very well thought out and they had a backup plan. If it didn't work out, what they were going to be able to do. And I think that really comes into this whole smart risk taking is not only have you mitigated it, but you're going to ensure that you're going to land on your feet. And I think that becomes really key. And for people need to really understand that, that you don't want to, if you're going to go and spend your 401k to start a business, you have to realize if it fails, where are you going to be left? And you don't want to be in a position that it's going to be unrecoverable. So. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that you need to think about in moving forward. I mean, I would never recommend throwing all your money in a speculative investment, right? You want to have a backup plan, mitigate that risk. Yeah. And I think that links into this last concept or example, which is basically understanding what the worst possible outcome could be. And if that were to happen, that things would still be okay, right? So like balance your risk portfolio. So you're taking the risk, but worst case, like you still have some savings or you have a job that you could start maybe in a bigger company if it doesn't work out. And this really changes where you are in your life. So right out of college, your risk profile can be a lot greater than it is if you have a family and they're depending on you to continue to provide for them. Or if your wife works, then it gives you more freedom for you to go off and take riskier ventures. You know what I mean? I think that really is what we're talking about there. Understand your overall risk profile and understand how that's going to work out for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one example from an interview we did that stood out to me a lot was someone who was saying that whenever they were thinking about taking a huge risk, what they would do is them and their partner would make ready-made hot dogs and sit on the floor of their kitchen and eat them for dinner and talk through the decision, talk through the risks. And that a lot of times it all tied back to, well, worst case, if this doesn't work out, we just be back here on the floor eating hot dogs for dinner. And I mean, we're doing that now. We can handle this sort of risk. Right. And, so, and, you know, it was so interesting on that story. The person that we talked with that, he was the one where when he told me all the things that he did, I was like, why in the world did you do that? And then he went through that thought process. He really had figured it out. He's a very detailed person. And he really, when they sat down and talked about it, they were really talking through all their options. And so in the end of the day, they had a very high probability they were going to end up in a good outcome. And if not, their worst outcome was still going to be a joke between them. I think that was one of our best stories that we got. Mm -hmm. And I think it also like really humanizes this whole concept about risk taking and partnership and understanding all the pros and cons, but then taking the dive. Right. And I think that's not only your partner, but your business partners right, are involved, your friends and family potentially. So I think it's really good to be able to talk through and make sure that your risk profile is really what it truly is, that it's not an imaginary thing and you have made it up in your head, but you can actually articulate it and other people can see where you're coming from. For sure. And I think from there, another thing too is knowing when to pivot, right? So we talk a lot about risk taking, And let's say you jump into a decision. 
how do you know whether or not it's time to change course or continue on or just drop it altogether? So I think this really comes into being able to crunch the numbers and understand the situation that you're in. And I think this is one of the things that in reading Recalculating, we hope that you develop skills that allow you to understand what truly are the main decision points and what is the data that you need to make an effective decision. Because as you build that skill, it becomes like intuition. You can look at a problem or situation that someone else is doing and realize they're on the right track or they're on the wrong track. And you may not be 100% correct, but your intuition is really gonna pay off. So to answer your question here, it's really understanding the data and what is important in making a decision. So whether or not you're choosing to take a new job, is the money correct? Is the location where you want? Are they telling you the truth about the job that you're gonna work in? What information can you pull in to ultimately understand, is it really a good thing or bad thing? And, And I think it's really careful here to not only listen to what people are telling you, but look at the data itself, because more likely than not, the data is not gonna lie, right? People may not tell you the truth, but the data will. Yeah, and I think also just breaking this concept down, overall, it's true to listen to the data, but also I feel like there's some component of, but wait, what does that even mean? How is that even applicable to me, right? Especially maybe you're in college and you're trying to figure out whether or not this major is right for you or whether or not you should stick with this class or not or you know understanding if you get this internship whether or not to take it basically like i would love to hear your perspective yeah so you know let's look at an internship so again if you've planned out your goals whether you decided you were you have a plan that you want to follow whether you're just exploring and trying to find what you're interested or you've already selected a passion that you want to go after that's really setting up the key points that you can look at and determine are you on the right path for each of those points now, there's key data things. So for example, if your internship is, I'm thinking of getting a PhD and you have the chance to do an REU, well, that's a great opportunity to determine, hey, is that really what I wanna do? I'm making a connection with a university and a professor who I may even turn out working my PhD in that area. So that's a great opportunity if going and having potential PhD or master's degree is something that you're caring about. If you're only interested in getting into industry and making money quickly, right? Going off and doing your REU is probably not a really good decision for you. It may sound impressive, right? But it's ultimately not going to get you to the end result of where you wanna be. So here is a case where depending on your plan would determine which direction to go in. So if you have any idea that you want to go into academics, that you want to get a PhD, and whether that's something you're willing to explore, then taking the REU is probably a really good thing. But if it's not, right, you have no idea that you ever want to do academics or get a PhD, you want to get into the working world and you want to make money, it's not going to be a good idea. Right. Even though it sounds good, it's at a prestigious university. It's, you know, everybody seems to be doing that in your class. It still may not be a good fit for you. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to kind of give examples like that. And I think tying back to knowing when to pivot, a big thing too is 
understanding when opportunity knocks at the door and whether or not you want to answer it, go into the room, you know, so be it. And I think some examples of this, especially earlier on when sometimes it's hard to really identify and prepare for opportunities that are coming up because you don't really know what to anticipate and what to be looking for. So I think that's, I think a really great question. So you're at your roommate's parents are in finance and you can talk to them and potentially do an internship with them, right? Is opportunity knocking. Your professor offers you a position in the lab, right? Is opportunity knocking. Your, uh, you decide to uh, send your resume out on LinkedIn or put your what your desire is on LinkedIn and you're starting to get emails back. Those are all opportunities that you need to follow through and see, are they ultimately going to pan out? And is it of value to you based on what your goals are? And if they are, you need to pivot and move towards them. If you're working at a job and somebody, your, your, some other director says they have an opening that they think would be really good for you, do you have an interest in it? Your answer is, should be, tell me more right mm -hmm. not yes or no just tell me more is the right answer learn about it get as much data on it as you can and if it makes sense pivot and move forward right. that to me is listening to the door of opportunity mm -hmm. and i think another thing too is understanding that there can be steps that you take to help you better prepare for opportunity so for example when talking to people who you know, interview at a lot of companies, not necessarily because they're actively looking for a job or a new position, but because they're sort of flexing that muscle of interviewing and better understanding what they're looking for in a company, what they like, what they don't like, what they like about the role and, you know, understanding how much they're worth. So then when it comes to their dream job that they're interviewing for, it's not something that feels so stressful and overwhelming because this isn't their first rodeo in terms of interviewing, right? So like what steps can you take to better prepare yourself so that in that moment when, you know, you want this opportunity so bad, you're just ready to hit the ground running? That's a really great point. And I think that really comes to building your backpack, building your journal, and also building your network. So for each of those interviews, you're meeting people, you're understanding their view of the space that you're interested in, right? And you're making a potential connection that you may cross, may pass in the future. In addition to that, you're building exactly what you said, a skill set of how to interview to understand what you like and don't like. So when opportunity does knock, you know exactly what to do and how to follow through and get that job. I think that's a super example. For sure. And I mean, I think this all, you know, ties back into concepts from previous chapters in terms of finding advisors or gaining skills and experiences to put into your backpack. The more information you can gain, whether it be your personal experience or you learning from others experience, the better off you'll be, especially when trying to better understand risk taking. If you're able to find mentors or advisors or people who are taking risks that are similar to the risks that you were considering if you can learn from them instead of you taking that direct risk and use that to help you move forward that's a sweet spot that's where you want to be
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, great. I think that's a really good point because you're not responsible to do everything. It's how you leverage your network, how you leverage people around you to help you get ahead quicker is all part of the game. And it's sure. fair game to, to rely on them. Majority of the people want to help you. They've been in similar positions during their their careers or their life, and they do want to help. Majority of people want to help and give you good advice. It's finding the right person that's experiencing things that down the path that you're going so that what they're telling you makes sense, is current, is relevant, and helps you at making a better decision faster. Because at the end of the day, we want you to make better decisions in less time. That's the goal. For sure. So when we were talking about risk taking and opportunity knocking, we were talking, especially with opportunity knocking, about how to understand what doors to open. But I think now we should talk a little bit more about how do you know when something isn't working and it's time to pivot or, you know, just understanding what to stick with versus not. Well, I think the first one is that for whatever reason, you're not happy. If you're not enjoying the journey, if you, you don't feel like getting up in the morning and starting school or starting work, you know what I mean? And this has gone on for a long period of time. I'm not talking, I woke up today and I don't feel like going to work. I'm talking every day for a couple months. There's something wrong and you need to address it. And I think that the faster you address the problem, because the problem may be something very simple that could be corrected. I don't like working with my new boss because they're uh, demeaning. Well, you could easily talk that out with that person so that that problem goes away as opposed to I got to switch companies because of that, right? Or switch divisions or directors or whatever it is. So I think that that's one thing that's very quickly. Two is that you realize that it isn't getting you down your path as quickly as you wanted is another indicator that maybe it's time to look and see what else is out there. I think we had examples of other folks where education prevented them from going any further. They didn't have a finance degree, so they were never going to go any further in that field without a degree in finance. So you we're going to have to go get a master's degree or you're going to have to move into another area and there is no way around it. So those are other things where you start to realize you've hit a wall, right? And things are never going to get better unless you pivot on the negative side of it. I also think that there is monetary that from a standpoint, you may love your job, but it's not providing you the lifestyle that you want. There's some another reason that you may decide now is the time to pivot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think this is something too that you could just apply in your personal life. You know what I mean? Like just in terms of lifestyle, the location that you're in, the relationship that you're in, like being able to see the situation you're in from the outside and also, you know, from your perspective, right? Because I think there's a lot of bias that plays into it. But I do think big picture tying into, are you feeling happy or not? I feel like that's a really big indicator <laughs> to say, right. hey, you know, something, something's up. Let's see what we can do here. Right. But see, some of that also is the effort you put in. So you could live in a city that doesn't have a lot of museums or doesn't have theater or if that's something that's really important to you. You can do that on vacation. You can go to New York. You can go to London and experience those things. You know, we ended up living near the beach and for a while we didn't take advantage of it. Only recently have we been really going out to the beach and enjoying it. So it's what you make of it 
So to, no matter where you are, there are a lot of opportunities. You just have to go look for them and take advantage of it. For sure. And I think also when you're in a non-ideal situation, a big thing too is understanding what can you learn from this, right? So for example, I feel like I've had a lot of friends who go through a summer internship and hate it and want to quit early and this and that. But big picture, you're learning so much about what you don't like. And sometimes that's more important than understanding what you do like. And there's probably a lot that you can learn from it. And especially if it's only temporary, right? So like what that balance looks like. If it was really bad, you're struggling with mental health issues, that, right? Like that's a different story. But if you're able to gauge where am I on this spectrum, I think that's helpful too moving forward. Right. So I think this is really, really a great point because everyone loves the praise, promotion, the, you're, you're doing great, the awards, everyone loves that. But in reality, you probably can learn more from when things don't go right, when your boss is not doing things correctly. And you can look at how you would do things differently. And to me, those are super opportunities to keep your journal and write down what you would do differently and how you want to be treated and how you want to treat other people, because those become very important skills later in life. So whether you're in an opportunity where you have a boss that is just a super role model and you can learn a lot from, or you have a chance where your boss is not a great role model, you still have the ability to learn a lot and understand what you would do differently and how that ultimately makes you feel and how you'll uh, use that later in life. So again, no matter what you're dealt with, you have the ability to learn from it. So whether it's a great role model or a terrible boss, both of them are great learning opportunities. Take advantage of it. For sure. And I mean, I even remember a story in an interview we did where someone was going through a very similar situation to what you described, where they were on a project where the manager was just not doing a good job. They didn't feel like the project was set up for success, but then they were explaining the amount that they were able to learn in such a short amount of time was incredible. And also understanding, you know, you you're working with the manager and you see a lot of opportunity areas for them to grow. That's like a great thing for you to know. Keep note of it because you're going to be a manager one day. And if you could keep track of the good things and the terrible things that can help set you up for success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also think that, you know, you may determine that you never want to do management, that you only want to stay in the technical side and that, uh, ensure that where you are will allow you to have a technical career and what's the path forward there because now you need to pivot and move more into the technical side of the business. For sure. No, I think big picture, these concepts do a great job, at least from my perspective, of sort of demystifying what risk taking is and how to apply that in your life. Because at least from my perspective, I feel like it was always something that just seemed a little bit terrifying and it was hard to know how to actually apply that in my life but understanding how to break it down and think about it like in smart ways to do smart risk taking to mitigate the negative outcomes understanding when opportunities arise like those are all actionable that i can apply in my life to make me a better decision maker critical thinker and you know overall person following up on what you said alana I think the book lays out a very good path. It allows you to determine 
what you're looking for, what your goals are, whether you're planning your goals out in detail, whether you're exploring a, a given direction, or whether you're following your passion, you set up some objectives and goals that you can ultimately use to determine, are you on the right path? By doing that now, you have goals and objectives you can look at and say, am I at the right position that I wanna be? What is the data telling me? Am I getting the feedback that I expected? And along the way, you have the ability to pivot when necessarily based on the skill set you've built up in your backpack. You have the ability to look at opportunities that may come up and say, yes, let's move in that direction. You also have the ability now to look at things and determine how best can I mitigate risk? How best can I get advice to help me mitigate risk? I'm not on an island by myself. And in doing that, it's going to allow you to make better decisions in less time. And I think that's really what the book is leading you down. Yeah, I think that is all key and helps kind of tie this adjusting your speed back into the big picture of recalculating. All right, so you want to wrap it up? Great. Thank you all again for listening to Adjusting Your Speed. We hope you take away a lot of actionable items to help you upskill your risk-taking abilities and we wish you happy recalculating and enjoy the journey yes until next time